0: Super Bowl 53. Now, I don't know how many of you are huge uh, uh, professional football fans. I was wearing a jersey earlier. Um, I had it on. Y'all, that thing made me sweat. And so I had to take that thing off. And plus, my mom's coming to the second service, and I don't want her to see me wearing a football jersey in church. You know, I mean, I'm almost 50 years old, and I'm afraid she's going to get on to me. Uh, But but that's a big game today. Super Bowl 53, it's going to be held at the Mercedes Benz Stadium in Atlanta. I saw that tickets are going uh, from anywhere from $2,500 to $3,000. That's just sort of like the general, you know, the general ticket. So it's a a big deal. Um, Y'all know how many people actually watch the Super Bowl? You know what they're anticipating this year? In America, they're anticipating 110 million people watching that game. Now, how many of y'all are planning on being a part of the 110 million people watching the game? Any of y'all watching that? Yeah, quite a few of y'all. Now, I know in our church there are some serious New England Patriots fans. And so I don't even joke with those people. I mean, that's what, you know, we all know New England is like the home of the mafia. And so, uh, so, you know, y'all don't mess with those people. Los Angeles Rams fans, I seriously doubt there's many, many of y'all that are big Rams fans. It's a long ways from here. But big game tonight. When the players play in that game, there is no doubt they this is the biggest game they're going to be in in their entire lives. And they want to win. Uh, they want to win. They want to get those big, huge Super Bowl rings. They want to be considered the best in football. But there is another reason why they want to play well. And the reason why they want to play well is real simple. There will be 110 million people watching. They, want, they do not want to embarrass themselves They want to perform well while people are watching them. And and the same thing is is true with us. But I think it's something that we ought to be more aware of as believers, as Christians. We need to understand that as we are living this life, it it is the big game that we're all involved in. And you only get one crack at this life. And so as you are living this life, and as you and I as believers, we, we have to understand there are a lot of people who are watching, a lot of people watching to see how we live our lives, to see what kind of decisions we make as followers of Jesus Christ. And so today in our passage of scripture, we're going to see the writer of Hebrews telling a group of believers that it's important how you live. And it's important because there are people who are watching, and the way that you live will be a huge influence in the lives of the people around you. Now, I really don't see a point of us calling ourselves believers and followers of Jesus if it doesn't make a difference in our lives. Now, I don't see a point of us being a part of of the church if the church does not make a difference in the community in which it is living. I really believe more and more what people need to see are believers, are followers of Jesus who when they follow Jesus, they lead better lives. And so that's why we're going to look in Hebrews 12 in verse number 1. And uh, just a little background information. In Hebrews 12, the Christians at this time, they were undergoing persecution because of their faith. They're trying to live out their walk with God. And as they are doing so, They are facing opposition from people, and it's not just like people were looking down on them. They were were being blackballed in society. And and so some of these Christians were like, hey, what's the point of this? You know, if I'm going to live for God and I'm going to follow Jesus, and yet all I get is grief from the world, then why do I want to follow him? You know, we're told in Hebrews 2:1, we must therefore pay even more attention to what we have heard so that we will not, it says, drift away. We want to pay attention to the things of God, follow after the things of God, so that we don't drift away. That that word drift, it is in reference to a boat that has lost its anchor. And if a boat doesn't have an anchor, whenever it faces turbulent waters, well, the boat's going to drift. And it's going to drift into dangerous waters. Well, that's what was happening to the Hebrew people. They were losing their anchor of being obedient to God. They became fearful, and they began to drift away from the things of God. You see this happen in Scripture in a lot of different places. I think of the Hebrew people when they left Egyptian captivity. Y'all remember what happened in let there be light or no light? Y'all remember what happened with the Hebrew people in Egyptian captivity? You know how long it took them to start griping before, before, you know, as they, were, as they were leaving for freedom, it took them less than a week. And they began to gripe, and they're like, Moses, why are you leading us out here to die? Send us back to Egypt, where at least we had food to eat. Now, they started griping. Now, y'all, you know, that's, that's an example of they began to drift back into dangerous waters. There are some of us who drift into dangerous waters whenever... We, we look at the world and we see what's going on and it's very easy to be disheartened and to say, I'm not interested in this anymore. Now, if that's how you feel today, then I just want to hopefully give you some encouragement here. I want to encourage you to remember a few things, to remember that the decisions you make in life are tremendously important. They matter. Now, why do they matter? Well, let's start out with this. First of all, like we said from the beginning, it's the way you live matters because you're being watched. There are people who are paying attention to you. Look in verse number 1. It says, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that lies before us. There are people... Who are paying attention to you. If you look back in verse 1, therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, that word witnesses, it means spectators. Now, we all know what spectators are. They're people who watch. Now, in the context of our scripture, the spectators is actually referring to people who are followers of God, who have died and gone on before us and so now they are up in heaven, and they are rooting for God's people. I mean, That's a really cool picture to me. They're cheering for us. They want us to be victorious. They want us to make the right decision. So they are watching us, but I think there's also a, spiritual, a spiritualizing of the text, which is not only people in heaven watching us, people around you right now are watching you. They're watching to see how you're going to live, watching to see... How, how you're going to respond when times are difficult, so there are spectators watching now I, I think about you know sporting events whenever I think of spectators i mean if you're a if you're a Clemson fan or a Gamecock fan and you go to the games whenever you arrive at the stadium there's like eighty thousand plus fans that that show up for those games now they show up for the games to cheer they they show up to the games hoping more for Carolina fans, and expecting, more for Clemson fans, to win. You know, but we're cheering them on. We want them to do well. And, uh, and I would think that when the players come onto the field, that if they see a lot of fans that are rooting and cheering for them, that it motivates them, that it gets them excited about playing the game. And because they know there are so many people watching them, they want to perform well for their fans. All right, Christians got a lot of people watching us. And as we wake up every morning and we walk outside, there are people who are cheering and rooting for you. And my hope is that when we're aware of that, that that we will be motivated and desirous of making good choices and decisions because we're being watched. The Bible speaks of being watched in other places. Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.16, But I received mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience through me as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now, I'm not saying that we want to live lives in a way that that draws attention to ourselves, but we want to live in such a way that we are drawing attention to the God that we serve. For a very simple reason. That's Jesus transforms people's lives. When we point people to Jesus, it is the best thing that we can do. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells us we are ambassadors for Christ. You know you know what an ambassador is? He, is? he is one who represents his leader in his leader's absence. So when he speaks, he is speaking for his leader. When he makes choices and decisions, he is making choices and decisions that his leader would make. So, look what Paul says. We are ambassadors for Christ. What does that mean? Yo, we, have, we have big responsibility. The choices we make, the decisions we make are to be in line with Jesus and what he would do. Now, that's sort of contrary to, to my, not sort of, it. that's a whole lot contrary to my nature. You know, my nature is to make decisions off of what I want and off of what I desire. But if I have people that are watching me to see how I live, you know, I don't want people seeing me and my nature in me. Because you're going to be real disappointed. But what I want is I want people when they look at me that they are going to see Jesus. Because it is Jesus who changes people. Now you might say, well, what does it really matter? Yeah, who cares how we live? Well, people around you care. Not only that, but did you know God does? Did you know, did you know God is actually one of the spectators who's actually watching to see how you live your life? Does that matter to you? You know, I think about it, that. Matters to me. I mean, God already knows how we live. And I can try to hide things. You know God sees me for who I am. Yeah, I I, I saw a story a, a while ago and I thought it was interesting. There was a guy. That had been—he uh, was—they were looking for him. He'd been selling drugs in a particular neighborhood, and his name was Darren. And so the police went into the neighborhood where he had been, and they were scouting it out. And they saw somebody that looked like him walking out of one of the apartment buildings. And so the police approached him and asked him to identify himself. And he said, "His—he said, my name is—I'm John Henry Jones." And he was wearing a short-sleeved shirt, and one of the policemen was kept looking at his arm. And uh, he noticed that on his arm he had a tattoo, and it said Darren. And so the guy um, noticed the policeman looking at his arm, and he said, "Oh, this is this is not that's not me. So that's my girlfriend's name." Uh, needless to say, he ended up being booked and arrested, and they discovered that his real name was Darren. I mean, it was easy to reveal who he was. Now, let me tell you something. Same things true with God. the Spectators around us. It doesn't take long for us and the way that we live to reveal who we really are. So the decisions that you and I make in life, they, they matter because you're, you're being watched. But here's another thing that I, that I noticed from our text, and that is that our decisions are also important, are important because our decisions are things that can actually make us worth watching. So you want to make good decisions, because as you make decisions, your decisions can make you worth watching. Verse number one again, it says, we, are, we also have a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, so let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and run with endurance the race that lies before us. Now we have a whole lot of technology today, and uh, excuse me, we have a whole lot of technology today, and I... I'm not good with it, but there's some things with technology that have just sort of messed me up. My attention span, because of technology, at least this is what I think, has, it has gotten smaller and smaller. And so we have, Now I don't know how y'all are, but you know, we have Netflix, and you know, we watch, we watch stuff, and that, it's spoiled me. And I have a really hard time now, I have a hard time watching anything on network television for a very simple reason. The shows are not convenient for me. I, I like to watch it when it's convenient for me. And I've learned, I hate commercials. Don't y'all just love that, just watch something with no commercials? Um, now, here's the, another downside for me is that I, I can't even, I can't watch two, a two-hour-long movie anymore because my attention span is so short. I like everything in like 21-minute segments, and then I'm, I'm like done. And so I know that that's how y'all are too because I can tell when I'm at 21 minutes. Y'all are done, right? <laughs> And so I sit there, and I and so I struggle with watching movies, but I I love to watch you know I love to watch YouTube clips and uh, with my, my kids, and then the other thing is uh, we like to watch American Idol's worst auditions, and so those are just you know uh, one of my kids I actually feels sorry for everybody, and I'd like to say that I do, but it's man it's just, there's so much joy uh, that comes and watches some of that stuff, and you know, remember a few years ago the guy uh, William Hung, the She Bangs, okay, so that guy was on, and I just I actually bought his album, he has an album, I bought it. And so i take my kids to school, I would crank up She Bangs, and they hated me. You know, and I'd roll down my windows. But, uh, but he did, now, while he was fun to watch, they did not move him through to the next round for a simple reason. He wasn't, he wasn't any good. Now, that, that was a decision they made. Now, that's what you call, that's a, a long way around my, you know, to, to get to my is around my elbow, but that was a good decision. And there are life decisions that we make that, that are going to determine whether or not we're worth watching. You know that there are people who are going to pattern their lives after you, and you might say, you might say, "What kind of decisions?" Now, I'm not talking about you know the decision you make about what kind of socks you wear or what kind of car you drive. People are watching you to see the decisions you make concerning things like this. Am I going to do what's right or what's expedient? Am I going to am I going to treat this person with care? And with justice and kindness, or am I going to use that person to get what I want out of them? Now, what kind of decisions are you going to make? Because the decisions you make, they're going to be emulated. And that's why Paul, or excuse me, the writer of Hebrews said this. He said, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us. So if you're going to make good decisions, then you need to, to shed the sin from your life. And then the example he's giving here is a picture of, a, of an athlete who is running in a race. And he says, if you're going to run fast, if you're going to win the race, if you're going to be competitive, he says you have to get rid of excess weight. You if, if you're going to be a fast runner, then you need to be in good shape. Now that makes absolute sense to me. That's why he says get rid of the weight. That word weight, it means bulk mass, superfluous flesh. Get rid of those things so that you can run better. So can you think of any excess weight that you have in your life that might keep you from being what God wants you to be? Now I know there are a lot of times whenever we're like, I want God to bless my life. I want God to move my life. I want to have a relationship with God. I want it to be real. And yet we hang on to sin in our lives and we refuse to let it go. And then we wonder, why doesn't God bless? Why why don't I sense a closer relationship with Him? It's sort of like a person who's like, yeah, I want to be in better shape as as they're shoving down the ninth piece of pizza in their mouth. It's not going to happen. There's some things that you have to shed to get rid of in your life in order to experience the power of God. So I look into our text. I see some decisions that we make that are tremendously important. He says, you're to to get rid of the excess weight. Then he says, run with endurance the race that lies before us. That word endurance, it means to be consistent, to not give up. You know, if you're going to get to the finish line in life, you, you have to endure, right? You know, just stop and quit the race. And we are all in a race. Now, in our text, it tells us there's a race we're running. That word race, in the Greek language, it is the word agona. Now, it's not that I'm a big Greek scholar, but that word agona is where we get our word agony, which I think is interesting. When you run the race of life, guys, let me tell you something. There's times it is agony. And if you're going to finish the race, it will cost you. And if you walk with Jesus, there are costs that come with following Him sacrifice. Giving up your desires for His desires. To make choices that are pleasing to Him and not to you. Now, you have a desire to be godly, you have a desire to honor God. There's a race that you're going to be running in then. And it takes discipline. It takes endurance. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 9.24, Don't you know that runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? And I like this. Paul says, then run in such a way that you win. It takes discipline. It takes commitment. Bart Starr, who is a famous Quarterback for the Green Bay Packers years ago said, "Everybody has a desire to win, but do you have the will to prepare to win? If we're going to if we're going to live lives that make a difference, then we have to prepare to live a life that makes a difference. Decisions matter. How you live makes a difference. People are watching you." And if you make the right decisions, you're going to be worth watching. This is the last thing I I want us to see in our text today. The decisions you make on how you live, they're they're going to be good if you will watch Jesus. Now we have others watching us, but we're to be watching Jesus. Verses 2 and 3 says, we are to keep our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. You know, almost everyone has a, you know, has a cell phone now. You know, I've seen, you know, four-year-old kids, and they're able to maneuver and get around a cell phone, you know, better than I am. But there's there's, while there's, some, there's some really good things about a cell phone. It's convenient. There's some things you can do. You can find, you know, restaurants that are nearby and get a ways at, find out the quickest way where you need to go. But there's some detrimental things that come with cell phones as well. And one of them is I have never seen a cell phone make a person a better driver. Now, I, I don't know how y'all are, but y'all, when I drive, I am, always, I am always amazed when I look at people I'm passing on the road. Because you have to get around those crazy people. But I'm, I, I will look by, almost everyone will have a phone in their hand. They're looking at it. Have y'all noticed that before? And if that's you, then shame on you. Okay, so I sit there, and I, it used to be when I see people weaving, I thought, that person's drunk. Now it's like that person is on a cell phone. Now, the problem is they are paying attention to a little screen instead of the big road that is in front of them. And when that happens, let me tell you if you do that for too long, you're going to end up in a ditch. Now, I think the writer of Hebrews knew this, not about cell phones, but knew about what you're paying attention to. That's why the beginning of verse number two, what does he say you're to keep your eyes on? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Let your focus be on Him. Why? Because because He is the one who gives us direction and examples of how to live our lives. Now, the problem is is if we take our eyes off of Jesus, then we're going to end up in a ditch. We're going to end up in places we should never be. That's why we're told in Romans 8, 5, and 6, for those who live according to the flesh, think about the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, about the things of the Spirit. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit, what is it? It's life and peace. So saying that, let me, let me ask you this question just for you to think about. What is your focus in life? What is your number one focus in life? What is it that motivates you when you're making decisions? Now, if I'm honest with myself, far too many times my motivation in my decision-making is me. I, I want to do things that please me. I want to do things that benefit me. I want my kids to do things that I want them to do. Now, that doesn't mean that it's always bad, but most of the time it's just about pleasing me. that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, my focus is to be on Jesus. And Why is that? Guys, let me tell you something. Jesus will never mislead us. He will never run us off into a ditch. And whenever we follow after him, we can be assured that we are going to be on the right track. Now, Now, Jesus compares his followers to being sheep. Let me tell you something. Every sheep needs a shepherd. If a sheep doesn't have a shepherd, he's going to end up being prey. He's going to fall prey to predators. And so the question is, well, then how can I keep my eyes on Jesus? What can you and I do to keep our eyes on Jesus where we are watching him? Let me just share a couple of basic things. One, take time to keep in contact with God every day by talking to him in prayer, by reading what Scripture has to say. It's just communication. Keep in touch with him. One of the best things that you can do. You know, what else What else can I do? Another thing that you can do that we provide at Village Church is we have V Group Ministries. Now, it's not that this, the secret is V Group Ministries, but what it is is this, it's a time where we come together as believers in small groups, and what we do is we look to see what Scripture says, and then we look to see how Scripture applies to our daily lives. That is a way that you can place your focus on Jesus. Now, I have an example of how powerful of a tool that is whenever a person puts himself in that position. Now, we have a video that we're going to show you, and it's just basically a testimony of a couple of men who are in our V Group ministry and how it has transformed their lives. And so we'll just watch that video.
1: Hello, my name is Peter Wittig, and I've been going to Village Church for about... 12 years, and
2: I'm a member of the huddle. And yes, my name Chow, and neighborhood um, of Peter.
1: Chow is my next-door neighbor. I mean, Mm -hmm. literally, my next-door neighbor. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, uh, a year ago, uh, his wife passed away. And I had done some things for him and with him Mm -hmm. as neighbors, but I really didn't get to know him uh, that well. And after his wife passed away, uh, mm-hmm. we started meeting once a week and going out for supper and mm-hmm. uh, just getting to know each other that way. Um, Chow was not saved and he had a lot of questions mm-hmm. about Christianity and, and, uh, and so we just had a good time talking. Mm-hmm. And then I invited him to come to the huddle.
2: Um, so when I come to here, So it made my life better, so I don't have to always stay home by myself and always miss my wife so sad. Um, Anyway, it made me feel a little bit better.
1: I remember Uh, that first meeting when he came mm to the huddle. He was like, they were all so nice to me, and Mm -hmm. they meant it. (laughs) And I thought that was funny. It made me laugh. You know, we just had our regular meeting, and after the meeting, I went and talked with this this other uh, gentleman, and Mm -hmm. so Chow uh, walked out into the lobby, Mm -hmm. and he started talking with Ryan Pellucci. I was coming out to find Chow, and Ryan said, come on, we're going in. Chow wants to invite Jesus Christ into his life. And uh, so we were all like, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, and so he uh, said the prayer to invite Jesus Christ into his life.
2: So I have to say, you know, I have to um, say thank you, uh, Peter. Uh, he always nice to me and bring me to here, so make me life more better.
1: We have people around us, even our next door neighbors, mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe we don't know that well. And we need to get to know them. We need to, you know, you know, see what they have going on in their lives and, uh, Sometimes we get so busy. And so, you know, truly reach out and love your neighbors.